0: hi everyone this is ronnie from everything vive i'm here today with martin bradstreet he's the ceo of Martov Co. and he's actually also the creative director on uh the studio's upcoming game that's coming out actually by the time you hear this uh pretty soon the the game's uh chiaro and the the elixir of life and it's scheduled to come out on september 13th so um, you know thank you so much for for being on the show martin uh yeah uh really excited Good. about the game and to talk to you about it
1: yeah, well, thanks for having me. Obviously, uh, we're pretty excited too, and it's it's uh, after almost three years' work, we're near the finish line. So it's every, everyone in the studio is pretty excited, but obviously, uh, <laughs> yeah, working pretty hard now.
0: Yeah, no, I I can only imagine. So you guys are located in Montreal, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's funny though. Me and my co-founder Jay uh, Jason Rosenkrantz, who's also the game director on Kiara. Yeah, I'm not neither of us are from Montreal originally. Yeah, uh, I was
0: I was gonna say that didn't sound like the the uh, the Canadian French accent. I was yeah, French, I was Canadian partially. Accent, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, that's how we speak French down under. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we had uh, known each other for quite a long time. That uh, Jason and I, yeah, at least ten years before we found the studio. Uh, he was living in Austin at the time. Okay. And we had both been kind of working in the uh, entertainment industry. Yeah. Myself, more in the sort of the three D art and music side, and Jason more in as an indie film producer. Okay. And so often, often we would uh, we'd also both played poker pretty seriously in the past, and so we're sort of looking for another challenge after that. Huh. And so every once in a while, we'd be talking on Skype or or whatever it was, Hangouts. And uh, just kind of be feeling each other out for things we might want to do together at some point because we both felt like we were pretty motivated to to you know create something. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, and 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 so you guys, VR came
1: along. Uh huh. VR came along, and so we both kind of became aware of it at the you know at the DK two stage. Okay. uh, and I guess around the same time as gear VR started to be a possibility Hmm. and we sort of started sending messages back and forth and, and the decision we made at some point was to switch from the iPhone to the Samsung. I think it was the S six at the time. And we were like, look, let's just both buy an S six and try to get a gear VR and like nothing serious, but like, let's just try some of the mobile content and like switching phones will be like, the tiniest possible commitment of doing something together, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so we did that uh, and we tried some of the content even on mobile and we were like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, this is pretty interesting. Uh, Maybe something in 360 video is is something we could use promotionally uh, for other stuff we were doing. So, like, he was doing a, uh, a, I guess, a horror or a sort of dark, a dark short film that ended up getting into a fantastic arcade in Austin called The Giver Taker and he was kind of thinking about if they could do 360 video for that and I was doing a lot of music stuff at the time and sort of started thinking if we could do some 360 video for that and so we we sort of thought you know maybe we should meet up in Austin and talk a bit more yeah we went down to Austin and yeah started talking about what we might want to do together and I think the big connection for us was to do character-driven storytelling okay yeah that that was kind of the big bond is like the the coolest thing that it seemed like it would be possible to do in vr would be character-driven for us
0: yeah no and that comes across really strongly i mean we'll get into the game itself later but yeah that yeah it's clear that you guys had a focus in mind i think when you created this
1: oh yeah that was it was from day one it was it was really clear that whatever it turned out to be, characters would be at the center of it. And so Jay and I met up in Austin and started dealing with the, uh, we tried some 360 video stuff and actually built some like GoPro camera rigs and that sort of thing. But uh, I had done a fair bit of 3D in the past and it seemed pretty clear to me given all the issues we were having, basically just setting up shots and getting stereo image and that sort of thing, that it would just be way easier to tell a good story using mm-hmm. a game engine. Mm-hmm. Even people doing 360 video were using game engines to do stuff. And so, actually, it was probably by diving into Unity, and then eventually we we sort of upgraded or switched, I guess, to Unreal Engine. Uh, that was kind of the thing that, I guess, empowered us to be able to actually create the
0: product. And, and how... and. How intimidating was it for you guys? Because obviously you had the, the 3D background, but not necessarily the game background. And then you had, you know, someone with a film, you know, storytelling kind of background. But, you know, I I hear a lot of, of filmmakers and, and storytellers that want to get into the medium and basically say, well, they don't necessarily have the skill set, you know, for games or it's not. it's It's kind of a different beast altogether. Like how... What you guys were just kind of headstrong and just wanted to get into it, or did you find it not particularly well, too bad once you started? Or,
1: uh, it was uh, up to this point, it's it's been difficult, but we Jason and I used to play uh poker pretty seriously, and and we were quite quite good at that. Uh, and like actually, the initial the, the first sort of seed financing for the company was largely money that we had won and yeah that that's actually kind of something that yeah it has a lot of grinding elements to it it's like very high pressure it's very competitive and like you have to put in a lot of hours to do it but if you Mm. do and you're kind of introspective and capable like you can do kind of well at it Mm-hmm. And so I think that had kind of trained us for the kind. For, it turns out the medium game is actually pretty difficult. <laughs> so we we had uh, we had spent a lot of time uh, doing difficult things that required a, a large time investment. No, so it, yeah, yeah. It, it was really hard. But we Scott as well. So Jason's brother Scott Rosencrantz, also came on board. Okay. Uh, as it started to get. Uh, as our ideas started to get legs. And, like, I think the three of us have very much an attitude of, like, well, this is new for everyone right now, but, like, we're kind of the guys
0: that are happy to work 80 hours a week to make it work, you know? Yeah, and and is it just you three, or, like, did the team? No, no. Okay.
1: Yeah, so we we sort of incubated the ideas, and we did a, a hackathon down in Austin, it's kind of funny thinking back on it, because at this time, I'd never even tried a HTC Vive. I'd <laughs> tried a DK2 and uh, also a Gear VR. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Wave VR? Yeah, I have. The, I have. Yeah, so I went and tried a... Uh, Jason was in Austin, and so was Aaron Lunkey, the CCO of the Wave. And uh, we went over to... His place at one point when that idea was just massively in its infancy, mm. and it was the first time I tried a HTC Vive, and I guess Aaron knew Jay, yeah, uh, and I was just like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> like trying, trying the Vive after like trying to ship content onto the S6, yeah, it was just, like this is, you know, we thought it was cool, and then it just this spatial awareness and yep. the
0: tracking,
1: and and it was it was crazy because I was just thinking like does this guy even know what he has here? Like, <laughs> of course he did, because he was the one that made it, right? He like, like, he's he's just sitting here with this amazing idea. Yeah. This is amazing. Like, how can he not know? This should be huge already. And, of, you know, of course he did know. And that was, he was doing exactly what we would do, you know, six months later, which yeah. is like, invest all his time to make it a reality. <laughs> but for me, it was really amazing seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the first experience I tried on the Vive. It was like Whoa. it's funny because I've
0: I've seen a lot of people have that reaction to the Vive, like when they, especially people that think they like people that haven't tried uh, like room scale or or even you know, I mean the Rift can do some great things now too, but like people that hadn't tried high end VR and kind of felt like they knew kind of what was capable, you know, in this in this medium, and then they tried those higher end systems and they were just like, holy, like what is this, like. This is yeah, crazy. Exactly. You're mind-blowing. Yeah, and... I mean,
1: my brother my brother uh, tried out... Uh, there's a sort of like the Skype for VR, I think, is their marketing. Uh, Pluto VR. Mm. And my brother tried out their product, and he sent me a message. It was the first time he had tried live, and I was always trying to get him to try our game, but, you know, we're not in the city, same city, so it made it tough. Sure. And, uh, and he went over there and tried their product and was like, Dude, this product is amazing. And I'm <laughs> like, I... I believe that it is amazing, but is this the first time you've also tried the HTC Vive? (laughs) That's so... Because because I think just him being in a room with that room scale is just like, wow, this is... It's like the hands are just
0: tracked so well. Yeah, No, it's incredible. I I remember the first time, like, you know, kind of, like, tossing the controllers and catching them and being like, this is, like, unreal. This doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so we... uh... I, I was in Montreal and I, I had a studio up here already, and so uh, I I went back from Austin. We finished off our hackathon down there, and we sort of built maybe this. Looking back on it, it, it would be pretty funny to to play this game <laughs> demo actually, but like we built this really really simple thing. And I was mainly doing three D modeling at the time. Like it was largely just boat with a steam powered penguin and jay was doing more of the gameplay kind of oriented stuff to i wasn't even really using the engine at all at that, at that point in time yeah hmm. uh, and scott was doing textures <laughs> texturing at the time huh. but he later moved on to sound engineering which was a much better fit for his skills yeah uh, anyway so so i went back to montreal there and we kept talking and we started working remotely on it but it was sort of like a 20 or 30 hour a week thing at that point in time and okay. we were both sort of training up in pre-production we were talking about a story for kiara uh learning the tools i was working on the characters
0: that's amazing yeah. that even at that early stage like because for people out there that haven't played the game yet like i i you know I, I played a little bit of it you know before getting on this conversation and uh it sounds like 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 the steam powered penguin for example like Characters and, and assets that you were working on this early. It's amazing that it ended up, you know carrying on to the final product
1: Well, so I uh, if you go to martov.com I did actually do a dev blog on the development of that asset and you'll see that there was a fair bit of uh, iteration on the character <laughs> Yeah, and and I actually put up the well. will get onto this later, but I I did get 90% of the way there but as our team grew, I even eventually let, uh, we hired a much, uh, like a really, really strong character artist down the road. And he was kind of like, could I just tweak the texturing a little bit here? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's kind of my baby at this point. But I, I sort of realized at some point, you know, we had 10 people in the company, well, eight people at that time, 10 now. Yeah. We had eight people in the company at that point, And at some point I think you have to switch to just doing whatever's best for the game. Yeah.
0: So 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 at that stage, so so you you know got back from from the hackathon and you're kind of you know figuring out like it, it sounds like at that point you decided that this was gonna be bigger than you had initially anticipated or like at, at what point did you realize like did you set out to, I know you said you you knew you wanted to do something story and character driven but you know the time I played with Chiaro, uh, you know it seems like a really ambitious like pretty large scale game for. You know, compared to a lot of the other pro- like games that are out there, uh, you know, on the Vive right now. Like, when did you realize that you were gonna really try to try to make this as big of an experience as it ended up becoming?
1: Well, so coming from the backgrounds we did, which was more general entertainment than the uh, game development side mm-hmm. initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we've hired a lot from the game world and I I think we're actually pretty strong there now but we came from more the entertainment side and so for us we spent a lot of time initially talking and developing script and that sort of
0: thing yeah
1: so we came up with this three-act story and then you know like a year and a little over a year in, maybe even a year and a half in, we had all these great-looking characters and we had sort of developed the gameplay, but none of them could do anything Mm. because we hadn't spent enough time developing the AI systems at that point in time. They're they're pretty good now. But the uh, the, I I guess what, what happened is that we wrote an ambitious script and then there were quite a few heated discussions about what to do since we realized that it to do it properly it would be a more ambitious undertaking mm. but but to cut it down would basically kill what it was like mm. we couldn't just back into a sort of tech demo style game yeah. or maybe even just like a poor mechanic kind of game like one of the things with chiaro is that every level you're doing these things that we could have just built into like Like people will make a game that's just fishing. Like Mm -hmm. in Kiara, fishing will be like one of the seven things you do in a level, Mm
0: -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like we still have to build the whole system to make that work, you know. Mm -hmm. But for us, like an adventure involves doing a lot of different things, and you're always wondering around what's around next, the next corner, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it did end up being a more ambitious undertaking than maybe we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But I, I think we're a fairly ambitious team generally, and. I I would say even we really think that, I I think VR kind of needs a little bit of that, because if you don't sort of push for something that might not be possible, you Mm -hmm. you end up kind of selling out the medium in some ways. It's like people see that the medium maybe doesn't support pushing for that level of content, Mm -hmm. and so they just kind of aim for something more attainable. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you kind of end up thinking that you know everything in VR is self-shaded.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I I do. Hey, what what about? I mean, obviously, you guys like you know had a, a mission to to accomplish here. What was it about VR that you wanted to to do as far as storytelling and, and character? Uh, development and everything that couldn't be done in other pl- like obviously like v r seemed cool and it was the next big thing and and you were excited about it, but did you have any kind of vision as to what could be done in v r that that wouldn't be possible in other mediums
1: well so it's 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 I think the realization quite early was that the limitation was always gonna be on the yeah, on the creators side yeah, for what would be possible mm. because even even the hardware right now enables like if you just got if you put 500 million dollars well, let's say like i don't know what naughty dog spends on a game or something but you know if you put sure. if you put a couple hundred million dollars into a vr game yeah. like the the tech like and then you say 10 i 1080 ti spec is the minimum you know? Yeah. And then you give you give a team a hundred or two hundred million dollars and maybe you let the HTC Vive people use the Oculus controls. <laughs> <laughs> or, or HTC finally ships the one they work on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like you got the best tracking, you've got the current hardware that's out there, you don't even need future hardware, and you give a team hundred million. Like the creators are the handy the, the creators of the bottleneck there. Mm. Even even with that much, because you can do so much. You can do so much w- with VR. So some of the stuff that seems like possible to us that we're excited about exploring more is just basic a- any level of interaction with a character. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be able to grab a character's arm and move it around, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do.
1: And then that, that pretty quickly leads to, like, well, how well can you dance with a character in VR? Yeah.
0: You know? And yeah. then
1: what does that do for you as an animated storyteller? Because really it seems like... The, the scope is just unlimited
0: mm-hmm.
1: it it really feels like it's unlimited even stuff like voice is pretty exciting at some point
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, I agree yeah, and it's funny like like you i mean that's a really good point with like the interactions, for example it's kind of in v r there's so much potential for for the players to interact with characters and the environment around them that it's almost like you give them you 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 kind of you know give them the first options which you know you can interact with everything and the players are always going to push until they find something that doesn't work you know it's kind (laughs) of like it's like oh that worked that's cool like can i throw it against this thing oh cool that worked too like i wonder if i can do this or i wonder and it's just like a (laughs) never-ending
1: yeah so like almost everything in our game is interactable Uh but like like there's one or two things that aren't and it is, uh, <laughs> <There> have been, <laughs> if, if they're not, it's because it, it would create some other big problem, you know? Yeah. But I, I do think one of the cool things about Kiaro is almost for, I, I, I sometimes wonder, it just seems like we had to do it. Yeah. And we had to make everything interactable because otherwise the immersion would be broken. And yeah. we kind of trapped ourselves in this aesthetic viewpoint. Mm. But, like, I mean, I think it makes the game better for it. But, like, I, I definitely feel you on that point. It's As soon as... You you just want literally everything to be interactable <laughs> in a way that you feel it should be. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, your immersion is broken. It's not a big thing, but it's yeah. a small little thing that slowly bleeds the magic out of your game.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. No, and it's... I mean, the, there's obviously, like... I feel like sometimes those, those weird interactions happen when, like... In Kiara, the time I spent with it, like, you were very good about, like, kind of directing the player in terms of, like, giving them stuff to do at all times and interesting points to kind of... So, like, you didn't really necessarily just wander and do nothing. Like, it's it's those games that sometimes just, like, completely leave you out in the open that, like, open themselves up to, like... <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, that you mentioned uh, the fact that you guys, you know, came into this from the story perspective and how much time and effort you put into, you know, creating the narrative before even really figuring out how you were going to implement it into the game. Because, I mean, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat that was super strong and, like, differentiated Kiaro from a lot of the other games I've played in VR, you know, up to this point, is how well everything, like, not only... Because I really want to talk about the environment in, in, in quite a bit of detail for a little bit because... Like, mm-hmm. right away, like, I was just like, wow, this is, like, it, it feels almost like an open world game just as far as, like, the scope of, of the world that you guys created, and and I mean, my initial instinct was thinking about it from more of a technical perspective, like, you know, you, you opened up and you see this, like, forest in front of you, and this is, like, right, you know, at the beginning when it loaded up, and I thought, wow, this is, you know, incredible, I'm outside, I can go anywhere, this is cool, and then, uh, then the next thing that kind of impressed me about the scope of, of the game and the in the world that you created had nothing to do with the technical side of things it actually seemed like you were saying to be more of a a storytelling kind of you know developmental thing that you guys did that i don't see in a lot of games which is like seeing the the map of the world when i wo- when when you wake up and you're in in the room, in kiaro's room i believe at the beginning mm-hmm. And yep. you're kind of setting out on your journey for the first time, and there's like a map presented to you that kind of shows you certain landmarks that are I, I assume are, are close by. I haven't gotten to explore everything yet. But like sure. and and Chiaro and even mentions, you know, like he hopes to one day go to the top of of, of this, this mountain peak or something. And like there was yeah. and there was just like a lot of these little these little subtle things that were being done just in terms of me like starting the game and then going down the going down into the 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 little elevator mechanism and seeing that this world is still like it was it was those little things i think that that made it seem like there was so much like it almost reminds me of like you know star wars or or other types of, of of good examples of storytelling where like you feel like there's more to this world than i know and i'm just kind of like getting caught up to speed on it Yeah, if that makes sense that's
1: that's what we want to give people i think is to is to tell is for them to enter our world and for us not to dispel everything out immediately but Mm. for the player to feel compelled to learn more and so the you know i i think that at the end of the day, like you, like you mentioned to start, actually some of the, yeah, in, in reality, a lot of, a lot of the technical decisions actually give you that feeling as much as the, as, as the writing, which is very important, obviously. Yeah. But for example, like the first thing you probably noticed in the game is the foliage in the game. And that's Mm -hmm. probably not a particularly jazzy thing to talk about, but you know, we did go through, Three or four different tree pipelines, and eventually, uh, between the efforts of uh, uh, environment artist named Justin Dorian, who uh, who works with us, and also our technical director uh, Bernard, uh, we we managed to get. We managed to build that sort of environment environment around you, which gives you that ambient feeling of wanting to explore more. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we try to do it with the storytelling, but also yeah. just the fact that you're like, oh, you know, I can see things in the distance or like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm in a forest. Yeah. Like, you can't believe how many times in year one we were just like arguing about,
0: <laughs> like, this is why you don't do a forest in VR. <laughs> and, and that's why, like, I guess since we are tech- <laughs> talking. we like, uh...
1: well, have to. Yeah. It's in the script. Uh. It has to be possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you just like cause that that was, yeah, my my one of my follow-up questions was going to be about just how you guys made it all work. I know you you switched engines at one point, you know, to Unreal and and like but I mean I I granted I, I am running on a high-end like I, I I run a 1080 Ti, but like a lot even even with a, a good graphics card, a good setup, there's a lot of games out there that will really bog down in certain types of environments and different kinds and and everything was running really, really fluidly uh, regardless of how much foliage was on the screen and all of that stuff for me. So, like, well, yeah, what did you guys, like, what was that process like trying to, like, make it and then kind of scale it back or scale it up or figure out something that worked?
1: Well, so it's largely the result of Bernard Duchamp, uh, our technical director, uh, and then us kind of Essentially, saying like, "Look, like we're we we're, we're gonna get the result we're after, and if it takes longer, I mean, we're not really okay with it. Like, we're a small company; that's gonna be bad for us. But like, <laughs> we can't help ourselves. Mm. So, like, just accept that. You know, we're not we're not cutting the forest, basically, or yeah. like
0: we're,
1: we're not uh, switching to a cell shaded art style yeah. or that sort of thing. You know, like we're this is the direction we're taking and if we blow up the company doing it, like we're going (laughs) to, you know, we, we just feel like it has to be possible. It has to be possible to do more in VR than just, just the typical sort of cell shaded unity aesthetic. And like, there's a lot of games that have really, really like really addictive and fun gameplay that Mm -hmm. fit into that world. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to be dismissive, but for a game like ours, that is about kind of entering a world and feeling like, like you know it's like I uh you know as a 3d artist I'll just buy tons of art books you know and mm-hmm. it's like I want to feel like those worlds are like part of my identity almost mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. I want them to be closer to myself and and to feel like I can explore them and and that yeah I don't I, I feel like that art really does drive the storytelling forward you know it does compel you to explore more when maybe there are other people might use a gameplay feature to do that, and yeah. we, we try to do both at the best of times.
0: No, I I totally agree. And like on on that note, I guess one of the other things that I noticed kind of right away when I was playing was the character designs of the creatures. So th- mm-hmm. th- they're not necessarily you know like character characters like like you know Kiara or, or Boku, who, who we'll later talk about. But um, mm-hmm. but they were definitely characters as far as you know again, adding to that sense of creating a world that, you know, there were all these different types of creatures that, like, frog goblins or, like, I, and all these, like, how did you guys, like, d- develop all the creatures and what was your, what was your goal? Well, and the...
1: Yeah, okay, so the, I mean, we just love little creatures to yeah. start with, but, like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the, like, polished creative direction there and stuff, but, like, <laughs> like, let me start by just saying, like, at our studio, you know it's it, everyone has toys on their desk you know like even the programmers like everyone's got toys all over their desks and like we we love little creatures you know yeah so we start with that now in terms of the snail goblins specifically <laughs> Your
0: snail goblins there you go i knew it yeah was. <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah there's little because they have the snail shell on the back like that was one of the first things that i interacted with because i was like and then i saw the little one like playing the violin and all kinds of like (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, the musicians uh so well for starters it just gives you something like it it gives you something to enjoy they're just kind of little creatures are just kind of fun and it gives you these little moments of storytelling that aren't about like nice writing they're about these kind of like animated storytelling sequences mm. like if you're exploring in the forest you're chiaro uh, and like taylor gray's reactions to the to the snail governments are great <laughs> like you're exploring in the forest and and you feel like you're expo- exploring a more magical forest as the result of this now in the later levels we had things that moved around right mm in the first level we didn't have a lot of things moving around Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so uh at one point i was talking to to one of the artists on our team yeah and was like uh we we kind of need something moving around in in the first level i think and for the snail goblin He's like, uh, and I was thinking of, like, maybe something like a deer, but, like, what does a deer look like in the world of Kiara on the Elixir of Life? Like, mm. are we going to just have a straight deer? Because mm. there's not really, like, you don't see any, besides the yeah. peanut butter pig, there aren't really <laughs> any creatures that exist in real life. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's, you're probably not going to find him on Planet Earth either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... uh yeah, I, I was thinking maybe he would come up with a deer or something that was a bit more uh, enchanting than a deer, but, but roughly deer-like. And he just did this little sketch, and he's like, it's a snail goblin. And I don't know if he had just had it in his idea or if he just improvised that on the spot, because it was literally, he did like a 10-minute sketch. And That's sketch awesome. Was awesome. And I like, yeah, okay, the snail goblin's got to go again. <laughs> he was like, okay, and it's like, yeah, it's it's now a priority to get the Snail Goblin in this game.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, all the characters that I've seen so far and, like, the creatures and stuff are like that. Like, a, whenever I see something that flies by me or walks by me or some, or anything in the in my periphery, like, I immediately want to go and check it out because I'm like, what is this thing? Like, it's... Yeah. And, and, yeah
1: the, uh, and that leads to a lot
0: of cool moments, too, because, like, especially later on in the game when, you know, you're doing a little bit of puzzle solving or trying to find, like... like Sometimes, like 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 you mentioned with the the peanut butter, uh, the the peanut butter pigs or whatever, like that was just something that I, 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 I noticed and then I went and investigated and then you see the the tracks in the in the sand from the from the pig and then you start following. Him. Like there were a lot of moments like that where like the 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 character design or something about like the creature kind of piqued my interest and then it led me to go do something and i I ended up getting like an, an achievement for it or I ended up like wandering off and finding something I wouldn't have found otherwise or like there were a lot of a lot of cool stuff in the game like that
1: yeah I mean it's you know like we we a lot of hours have gone into the game and so sometimes yeah. You know, sometimes if you're working on a Saturday on some very <laughs> important, well, which we've been doing for three years, <laughs> the, the founders at least, everyone else on the team, is <laughs> not a super frequent thing, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for us, it's really been endless, but it's it's fun. Uh, <laughs> but you can you sometimes at, at like five p.m. on a Saturday, if someone's implementing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It can be easy, even between me and Jay or Scott and myself or whatever, we have a pretty good relationship but sometimes it's just like, dude, what are you doing working on this <laughs>
0: little feel Like,
1: we have other problems than you're yeah. doing, like, you're putting a hat on this
0: thing. <laughs> Honestly, know? though, it's it's that stuff, though, I think that, like, shines through. Like, when you're playing, it's, like, you can see the, 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 the personality and kind of the charm, you know, from what yeah, you guys... Well, it ends
1: up being the... It ends up, the, the little things end up being the thing, you know? Yeah. Like, like it it turns out that the, those like, those tiny little moments you have end up kind of being a lot of the memories you have of playing the game, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, because cause at the end of the day, like, most people that will set out to make a game will make the game itself work, or at least you hope it's going to work. But it's like those little things, those, like, moments of love, I guess that are put in when people are just having a good time, I think, that really, like, like it's it's interesting. like, yeah, I, I didn't know how designed those were, if those were just stuff that, yeah, it seems like you guys were really good about just kind of putting in things that you thought people would enjoy and things that you you guys enjoyed, and that's kind of what led to some of that stuff, but it's really cool.
1: Yeah, well, definitely, whenever we're in an environment, you know, it's it's something we're looking around being like, can we get something in there to make it a little bit more magical or, or just, you know, it's, it's like you're in virtual reality. Like you want to just, you know, like I had a I, I grew up in, in like a really small town and my, my house was surrounded by a forest and like I'd walk around there and like there would be some interesting things walking around our little house, but like it wasn't like I was compelled to explore it. But, like, if I think if you build a perfect simulation of that in VR, mm-hmm. you're missing out on the opportunity to basically make it that, like, when I was a kid, imagine if my house was surrounded by the forest from, like, My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. like, a Studio Ghibli film. Like, it's yeah. just, you have the power to give someone that. You have the power to put someone into that forest where, like, around every corner there's an exciting little thing, like the Alice in Wonderland forest or the Hayao Miyazaki forest, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's amazing. And I, something that you kind of – you mentioned in passing that I want to get back to now, uh, you mentioned uh, getting voice actor Taylor Gray, I believe, for – Uh, for the voice of Chiaro. I know he's, like, for those out there that don't recognize the name, he was Ezra on on Star Wars Rebels, which I'm sure a lot of people out there that are listening to this podcast may be, you know, well aware of. But, like, what what was, how did you guys go about, like, how did that end up happening, and and how great was that to work with, with Taylor?
1: Well, so, that Jay gets all the credit for tracking him down. Uh, he put on his uh, film producer hat, I guess, and was like, <laughs> you know, like, actually, sometimes famous people are gettable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I can do. Mm. And it just worked out straight away. I, I guess Taylor actually had been interested in virtual reality previously. Maybe Jay knew that. I, I don't actually know. Uh, and so Jay just got in touch with him and his agent, and uh, we, we told them about the story, and I think it resonated with Taylor, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think he connected with what we're trying to do in VR. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's not a game with like guns and shooting things. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a game that's trying to push the medium forward and make it about story and make it about exploration and mm-hmm. music and art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think that excited him and I think he, he just wanted to do it. And so then I was, I was privileged enough to get to fly out to LA and work with him there. And, uh, it was it was definitely it was a ton of fun, uh, a ton of fun. I think he had an interesting experience because we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the video game world is definitely you know, uh, well we had a lot of lines. Let's just say that. Yeah, and- I, I was I was
0: gonna say like just the number of things that you can interact with, and then like I, I mean as I was playing it, I, I felt like there were a lot of different uh, a, a lot of different uh, like sayings and recordings and stuff for all kinds of stuff i was doing so i was kind of surprised like
1: yeah i mean honestly he gets absolute credit for uh like we've heard that sometimes in game uh, game productions the voice acting can turn out a little flat if they have too many lines to get mm. and we did we did have too many lines <laughs> he, he sounds amazing yeah I mean, yeah he, he was kind of like you know he was like uh the glimmer in the eye eyes on the prize kind of thing (laughs) and he was just like i mean it's a lot but we're gonna do it yeah and he would just go from like you're like okay we're uh okay that was a funny scene now we're gonna do a super intense scene (laughs) right now we gotta do another hundred lines
0: oh god (laughs) he's like
1: like, okay let's do it (laughs) and it and it's it turned out really really well so it was uh it was it was a great experience working with him that's Uh, amazing just
0: curious how long does something like that take like to get all of everything so we did it
1: in we did it in a day okay uh, but it wasn't like a 10-hour hollywood day it was like a four or five four or five hours ah man yeah and i don't i don't think that that would be i don't think that's advisable generally Mm, mm. i would say uh i would say maybe give a little more time generally if you're I wouldn't plan to do what we did. Like I think yeah. we got away with it, and the results are, that turned out, I, I, I'm really
0: impressed with the fact that he did it. But uh,
1: I, I have heard of other stories where it didn't go so well. So,
0: now, yeah. what was that like? like as far as I, I know, like I can't say this enough times, but like I, I know you guys had been focused on the the kind of character driven story stuff from the beginning. But like at any point, did you guys consider? Like, having a, a voiceless protagonist since it's in VR? Or like, what was the decision like to kind of nail down you wanted to make sure that the player character kind of had had a voice and had a had a strong sense of character in the game?
1: I mean, for sure, it was a... We were in alignment. Like, Jay and I agreed about doing it. But it was a choice, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... And it's something we revisited again and again and again. And, like, I'm glad we made the choice we did. Like, like, like in Chiaro and the Elixir of Life, you play Chiaro. You don't mm-hmm. play yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of games go halfway there. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, well, it's sort of you, but it's sort of not you. And we're like, no, Chiaro is is you, and Chiaro is voiced by Taylor Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wrote the script for Chiaro. And then we actually added it a little bit to, to fit Taylor even better. Mm. Uh, the yeah, I mean, it's I think I think it works really well.
0: What are you able to get out of that? Because I've noticed actually, like successfully, I might add, in like in certain VR titles that have come out. Like I recently played Torn, and I thought like that was you know obviously important for the story that they were trying to tell to have like a a, a character uh, have the player character be an actual like person. And, and, and part of the story, like for you like, and and it seems like it's even it's it's much more important, I think actually in Chiaro because it really like Chiaro has a place in the world that you've created it Kiaro's not like an outsider really I, I don't think to to the world that you guys are trying to show so like what what does that allow you to do as a storyteller that having a voiceless protagonist doesn't
1: well, the biggest thing is that the story of Chiaro, a large part of it is really about the relationship between Boca and Chiaro. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the content we find really enchanting or, or compelling, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. uh, is about that. You know, like, if you look at a game like The Last of Us, it's you, you do shoot a lot of things in that game, but it's, it's a game about the relationship between Ellie and Joel. Mm-hmm. And, like, if the player if you did that in first person with a voiceless protagonist, like imagine, I don't know if you've played the last of Us, but if yeah, you imagine, I have. You, okay. Yeah. So imagine that you were doing that as like a first person game, like wake or do sex or something. And you took the voice away. Mm-hmm. Like you would still feel connected to Ellie, but, but it it's not, yeah. yeah
0: and, and, you, an interesting parallel, like, and this is like, I, I haven't really thought these things through as much before our conversation right now, but like, like, uh, uh, Half-Life two with, with the voiceless uh, protagonist and, and Alex Vance, right? Yeah. That's, she's a memorable character, but you're right. As far as like, I can't really, like, I I don't have the same uh, understanding of, of how they fit together as a relationship. I, I understand her, but not the relationship.
1: And like in half life, you do have like one, one even like, it's cool exploring and having like the interactions in the storytelling in half life are done pretty well but if you want to tell the story about like if the story is that relationship Mm -hmm. it's not just about things happening to the protagonist in a way that's Mm -hmm. genuine and well done it's actually about that relationship Mm -hmm. like like i say i go back to the last of us thing where i don't think like i think you're a lot more likely to see ellie as an ammo belt if Mm -hmm. it's just you the player playing Mm -hmm. and not like joel Mm -hmm. you know and And, like you are joel but you're also kind of, like, inhabiting Joel. You know? mm-hmm. Like, there's... Mm-hmm. there's, You can really feel that dynamic between the two characters. And so, like, in Chiaro, it's you as Chiaro building Boker at the start of the game. Like, mm-hmm. you bring him to life, and that begins the story between the two characters. You mm-hmm. So for Jay and I, that was... Like, that's what we wanted to do. We had mm-hmm. watched this movie, The Boy and the Beast, in Austin while we were hackathoning, and that's about <laughs> this master-apprentice relationship. It's a great animated movie for... <laughs> and uh that that was that was central from the start is this relationship between two characters and how hmm. vr could kind of give us new ways to explore that
0: yeah what, what were some of the things in particular that that you guys were able to do in vr to kind of build that relationship like i, I i've only played the beginning of the game so obviously like uh, mm-hmm. yeah you know, i i I made him his t and i you know <laughs> was was going back and forth like in, in interacting with all in all those ways but like yeah. What, what were some of the things you did and what were some of the things that you guys like were hoping to do or, or, you know, just what, what were the things that you think, uh, make building relationships in VR, like, you know, extra special?
1: Well, so we, we put the building in straight away. We liked that. We thought building stuff in VR can be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. He's a steam powered penguin. Let's build him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, that was, that was great. That was, that wasn't too bad as well. Uh, the, the first couple of levels of the game are kind of exploring just sort of simple interactions with the character and sort of getting a feel for the world before we sort of ramp things up. Uh, as things go on, you know, like, uh, we... we I mean, uh, we, we have a bit of the dog chasing cars thing. We sort of started <laughs> to see what was possible. So, so like... 15 months in or 12 months in we hadn't really done a lot with the AI and I had talked to Jay about it I had started doing AI Uh, AI programming once we hired some amazing artists I sort of switched about a a little over a year in and Hmm. just ended up doing the art direction okay Uh, but but so we've got this amazing character artist Marc-Andre Bouchard and another, an environment artist called Justin Dorian. And I just sort of ended up managing the artwork of those two uh, after about a year. So most of the environment is Justin, and, and all the little creatures and stuff besides the snail goblin are, are made by Mark Andre. Okay. And some of the, some of the uh, non-speaking characters that are important, he, he also did all those, and, and a lot of great work. Uh, but anyway, so I, I started doing the the AI programming at some point and was talking to Jan was just like, there's no way we're doing a buddy AI mission. Like I was just like, so cool, (laughs) but like, we're not doing it. Don't want me to do it. (laughs) And then like, after like a year of working on it and like, I was spending sort of 60, 70 hours a week just working. Like a lot of that was just studying. I was like, I found this guy, uh, I I read some AI textbooks and I was just messaging everyone but like, I, I read this book, uh, yeah, it's, it's like uh, programming AI or something like that. I, <laughs> I can't remember the title, but uh, in the table of contents, it was like an appendix of all these different people that had each written an article, right? <laughs> and I was like, some of these must live in Montreal. And I emailing <laughs> all these people in this book being like, I badly need help working on this. Uh, <laughs> please please tell me how to improve the AI powered technical. And at about this time I was talking to Jay and was just like, Yeah, you know, we're not doing a buddy AI mission. And then after about a year I was like, I think we could do a buddy AI mission. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so so then we we actually got lucky there because I, I started us off and got pretty far, but uh, it really took bringing on some other people at that point to get us all the way there, but now that is one of the things you do. That's awesome. Like, so it, later in the game, you play Catch with Boca.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I played Catch, actually, with him, which was awesome. You, that was so cool. Yes.
1: So later later in the game, you, we, we may or may not bring that back. You'll okay.
0: have to explore to find out more. Interesting. Uh,
1: but uh, but the uh, that's that's something we'd like to do more of, actually. Is, okay. is stuff like that where you're actually interacting with the character mm. but the storytelling is kind of happening at the same time mm. rather than
0: just being uh, scripted, you know? Yeah, yeah, I do. That's really cool. Like as far <laughs> as it did, so I know you, you had developed the, the script and the story ahead of time and then implemented. Like how much did it end up changing when it was all said and done after you guys developed the game? Uh, like,
1: yeah, yeah, like a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the the three act structure and a lot of the important things uh, stayed, but uh, there was some fairly the the number of levels and the number of environments and the characters and that sort of thing stayed, mm. but our uh, there there were there were a lot of edits that happened and okay. some of them were fairly large. The biggest one I can't actually. Uh, Maybe six months from now, I'll uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you about that one, but it's a huge spoiler. Okay, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. No one's played the game yet, hopefully. So that's what like, yeah,
0: yeah. like yeah, yeah. as far as as far as the world that you guys created, do you see? I know it's kind of too early to tell. You haven't, you know, released Kiara yet, but I mean, do you? Do you, did you hope to maybe tell other stories within this universe, uh, this world that you created, or or? was this all for the service of this specific story
1: uh i i think the way we're thinking about it or that we try to tell ourselves to think about it is Mm -hmm. to do everything in the service of this one thing and that's actually the best way to do we definitely want to do what you're talking about yeah yeah we really fell in love with the world creating it like we we can really see that uh you know, like, Nessrine, one of the animators on our team, is, like, really in love with Scoria. Yeah, she, she loves that character. And, you know, like, the, the peanut butter pig and Boker are very close to, to <laughs> my heart. And actually, Jays yeah, do like both, Everyone's at this point, really. Yeah. And, you know, Ellery as well. Yeah. So the, the characters, uh, we, we feel really close to them. And, and the aesthetics of the world, uh, I think we'd like to spend more time in, for sure. Hmm. so it's it's definitely something we think about, but I, I think it's very easy to you, you don't want to change things too much just to make a, a, a plans for a sequel or something yeah but no. we, de- we definitely would like to do it so if you like Chiara on the elixir of life uh you know try it out <laughs> if you enjoy it uh you know let us know
0: for sure and 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 uh, I mean, I can tell you i I had a ton playing a ton of fun playing it, and i I'm really impressed with with the work you guys have done so i mean i'm i'm excited to to play through all, all the rest of it you know when i when i get off of this and yeah it's 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 really 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 good work so yeah you guys should be super proud and excited about the release date so
1: yeah i mean we all right now as i said it's uh we We're in
0: uh,
1: <laughs> crazy ship mode, you know, but uh we we were mixing the score until midnight last night you
0: know? <laughs> that's what you know it, so i'm I'm really glad you meant because that was one of my one of these points here that I'm like, all right, I have to mention it somehow, even if it you know I have to go off track to do it the the score the music of the game it that was one of the things that like even before I think the visuals when the menu came up and and I wanted to talk about that too because I thought. I thought, you know, it was a really genius idea to do like, you know, have to go and physically grab the book in order to open the menu at the beginning of the game. Uh yeah. I, I just I just it, those kind of moments in VR like like, like uh, there are a few games that like I can like super memorable games like Moss or like some other like where you turn on the game and like the first thing that kind of etches itself in your memory is like how they implement, you know, your first <laughs> moments in the game. And that was like like, I, I turned on the game, and at first I wasn't sure exactly. Like, I don't know if it was the way it had loaded up right away or what. Right. Like, it was, like, the book was kind of behind me a little bit. And so uh-huh. at first I was like, oh, did it load right? Like, I'm not – and I so I, I turned around, and I saw the book out of the corner of my eye. I was like, oh. And I, I went over there and, and, and picked it up and, like, opened it up. And, like, and it was just something that I was like, wow, that's really, really cool and fun. And, yeah, like, it – yeah. So not to – not to distract me from my point. My point was the music. So the music, how, like do, who who can who came up with the sco- Who scored the game and 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 sound design in general? I think was is super strong. I wanted to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I scored the game, but the sound design, okay, is Scott Rosenkrantz, okay. uh, Jay's brother, okay. And so he he's also the cellist on the soundtrack, okay. Uh, but but I ended up writing the score. That okay. was something that uh. Actually, I, I think it might just be a studio habit to be overly ambitious and then just have to, you know, yeah.
0: Uh, That's incredible. Work, out, work it, out
1: how to work out how to make it all work. We actually and and the score was mixed by uh, a man named Patrice Pruno, uh, Patrice the Platypus Pruno, and uh, <laughs> we had a ton of fun mixing it. And uh, and uh, I think between Scott myself and matrice yeah i mean scott scott did significantly more work in the game yeah but yeah uh, we came up with something together and and i think we all sort of share that attitude like i i had wanted to do a score that was sort of fitting of something that maybe uh a studio ghibli film yeah. would yeah maybe like a you know, like a, a, a sort of Star Wars movie or something, you know, something sure. a bit more orchestral. And I think that fits in with the sort of aesthetic goals we had, which were like a
0: much higher fidelity yeah,
1: uh, type of character, you know? Like it's, it's yeah, yeah. fitting or like, you know, you look at... No, it really does.
0: That, like, that's why I'm so surprised that, like, I, I didn't know like how much of a music background you had, but like it, I mean, it was really impressive. And it, like, I almost... I i was I was assuming that you went out and hired someone to to score it and like really like because because yeah, it, it fits in perfectly with the theme of the game and like a, every step of the way, you feel like it's appropriate and it gives you that sense of like wonder and exploration that I'm sure you guys were looking for.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were lucky to uh... well, yeah, I, I, I think through production. Like I, I, uh, I love to play the piano, and, and through production, I was sort of tinkering around with different characters' themes, mm. and then that sort of just, like, uh, once again, we sort of have a way of trapping ourselves into these big ideas, and then having to make it work, basically, because we're just like, we have to do it this way. It's just going to be too cool if we, yeah. <laughs> You
0: know? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I've
1: been tinkering around with this, the, the character themes on the piano, just sort of after work. We've got a piano in the studio. And uh, and so, you know, sometimes after work, or even at lunchtime or something, if, if people aren't in total, you know, crunch mode or whatever, yeah, yeah. just play the piano. Yeah, <laughs> But uh, I've been tinkering around with that, and so it seemed kind of hard to pass it on at that point to someone that would do it justice. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if someone was, you know, if you wanted to, someone to do a John Williams score for you, you probably would need quite a large budget, and you would also, you know, they probably need to be there at the start, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, a whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. So I, so I thought, like, you know, I, I reckon we can probably get it done. That's so amazing. Like, so so <laughs> it, we, 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 it was really, it was the first time I had done an orchestral score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we, uh, which was pretty cool, you know, like... Uh, There's no way anyone
0: but, would would guess that, I don't think, from listening to it. I mean... Yeah, well, I, yeah,
1: we put up, it, it was a lot of work, but, uh, you know, it was, it was really fun working with the musicians and with Patrice and Scott. You know, like Scott oh, and huh. I, like I played piano on there and like Scott and I would be showing up like, like with these, these sort of industry musicians and they would be like... It's crazy, you know, like, with the dialogue in there. With the first thing we did was the trailer, you know? Yeah. And so we, we scored the trailer just to see if this was all going to work out. And so so we did the score for the trailer. We got the musicians into the studio. Scott and I went in there and, like, you know, we, had, we were probably on an 80-hour week already. And, and we were just, like, you know, we, we were, like, eyes on the prize mode. You know, wow. like, we're going to get it done regardless. And, and the musicians were just, like, yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> you know these parts, like they—they they are actually working pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was they, surprised. They've just, they just come from the symphony orchestra, you know. Wow. And we were like, so here's what's happening. Like we're putting you in the world of Kiara and the Elixir of Life. You've just built this steam-powered penguin and you're going on an epic journey to find this lost fountain of elixir. And, you know, they, they would be, you know, like our violinist was just off to play classical music in Korea. This woman, Daphne, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just a very different world, but I think that was a really exciting thing for everyone. You know, like, yeah. like the guy mixing, up, Patrice, who was mixing the soundtrack was, you know, like he was really excited to be working on the project because it was so unique to what he was normally doing, which was like... Mixing like you know the like pop records at a pretty big studio here hmm. and with some rock as well and sometimes hmm. orchestras but yeah you know like traditional music studio not really like film studio stuff yeah and you know the musicians on the score were people I had known yeah, from when I was playing music more and so they were coming from the jazz and classical world and we sort of all came together to make it happen.
0: That's amazing. Like and so uh, running through my head when we were talking about. It. The game is is scheduled to release next next week when you guys are hearing this, September thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. When did when did you guys initially think that you were gonna try to release this game, and when did you know like because I'm I'm just curious like what did you have initial goals for an earlier release date, and did that change, or how did that all work?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So so we've we've uh. We, we haven't actually received financial support from any of the platforms. Yeah, mm-hmm. We've paid for the game with our own and some of our friends, or a few at this point, uh, yeah, money, basically. And uh, they've been really supportive of us, yeah, the, the, definitely. But uh, it, it took longer than expected. Huh. Yeah, we... we Jason and I initially capitalized the company, and then we both put more in, and and then we got more and more friends involved, basically. Yeah. yeah but but as, as things moved along, I think those people also saw what it could be. You know, like we mm-hmm. were at some point after a year, we were like, "We're not going to get it done in eighteen months," but mm. like here, like we're going to come to the US and show you the game. You know. Yeah. And so I I think I think everyone had a lot of faith in in what was possible at that point, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, it definitely was not, I think we did probably six months pre-production and counting that where, where we were getting up to speed, where we sort of had to do like a two year game design course in six months. And mm. then, and then That's the crazy. next, the next two and a half years were probably, yeah. uh, just building the game. And, and there was some, one thing that happened is initially Jay and I, and it was Scott as well, uh, we thought we'll just get some, it wasn't kind of moving quickly enough for us. And so we thought mm-hmm. uh, it would be great to have some some artists working on the project so I could I could do other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I started doing night classes for, you know, like industry night classes for Z Modeler, which is a ZBrush, it was a new part of ZBrush, sort of with the intention of, finding students at the school where that was held. Mm. So it was like a night class at NAD, which is the game design school in Montreal, probably probably the best game design strictly school. Hmm. Uh, and so I was kind of like, oh, yeah, if I sort of start going there, maybe I'll get – because we didn't really know a lot of people in the game industry here at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, you know, we'll start to meet some people, especially sort of young people that might, might have that same – you know, ambition to just do something cool.
0: Mm. And
1: so we, we actually got pretty lucky at that point. We were able to hire a few people for a summer and, and they were pretty into it. But at the end of the summer, some of them went back to school and then they went part-time over that period. And then there was a little bit of turnover there mm. uh, uh, at the end of that. And so we sort, of, we sort of upgraded our staff a little bit by the end, mm. uh, you know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Uh, yeah i i think you know like i said the the, the foliage in the game that we probably went through three or four tree pipelines before we got the final result <laughs> so it took longer than expected for sure like mm-hmm. i would say almost by two of uh, like by by two
0: <laughs> yeah but th- but this also was your first the first game that you guys ever and like i said like like by any by anyone's uh standards this is a very ambitious vr title i mean there. Are, there aren't very many VR titles out there by any studio that has the kind of, I think, scope and scale that 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 Chiaro does. So that's, I mean, an incredible story, I think.
1: Yeah, I I think Jason, Scott, and I, and, and now the rest of the team who are very, we're all very tightly knit at this point. And I, I think for all of us, it's, it's been a, a real-life experience, you know? I, mm. I think that we set out to do something with high visual fidelity with the, you know, orchestral score with great character interactions. That was three to five hours of storytelling. Yeah. And, you know, we were kind of like, if, if we don't get there, well, okay, let's just get there. Cause it's bad if we don't get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, Cause we can't, we, we're like the kid in the candy store. We're like, these things are possible, so let's just do them because that's what we want to do as a company. We want to do those things. We want to do high-fidelity, colorful, you know, someone called our art style, uh, you know, colorful but not cartoony, Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, high-fidelity assets with that kind of big cinematic feeling. And so once once we committed to that, it was just, just a matter of having the tenacity to stick with it, basically.
0: Yeah, and, and, and throughout those, like, you know, close to three years that, that you guys have been developing I mean uh, obviously there have been changes and different trends in the in the VR industry and in the gaming industry as a whole like how like how do you guys see yourselves as far as like releasing uh, chiaro in the current market and and you know kind of how it fits into to, to where things are right now in VR
1: well so the good thing is people are excited about Kiara right now and we can see that in you know the the amount of time spent watching our trailer is something like six thousand hours. Wow! You know, yeah. which is you know for a, a minute forty or two minute trailer is is a lot. Uh, and so people aren't clicking away. You know, they're like they're very they want to find out what happens next. And there's a lot of hardware out there. You know, like they're, they're, I mean, maybe not for for a a triple A studio yet, and hopefully. Uh, the the platforms sponsor the content, even though it might not make sense. Like, what I'd like to see is larger budgets to, <coughs> to kind of fuel more ambitious projects, but uh, there are enough people out there, if they're excited about Chiaro, for us to have a sustainable business long-term. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. that's That's very exciting. The thing is that it does seem like people... are really into VR maybe aren't just spending as much time there and Mm -hmm. we hope that those people try Kiara because I think that I I think that we give people something manageable where Mm -hmm. it's like look you don't have to commit to you know a a multiplayer game where you have to learn how to get good at it but then you're worried there aren't enough people playing on a daily basis to justify Mm -hmm. how long you spend into it like we just want to bring you into this world we've spent a lot of time polishing it we've we've put a lot of love into it and you know it's not that big a time commitment Mm -hmm. like it's it's long but it's i think it's a good manageable size for someone to get something out of and if nothing else i i don't think there's a game like Kiara in vr no for better for better or worse
0: yeah yeah no and, and like you like you said like i i think it's it's important to emphasize that that's that's three to five hours Of like story-driven gameplay, like it's it's very like like you're spending that amount of time in a very like handcrafted, like very polished, very deliberate, deliberately paced, you know, title. I I think that that also kind of I think helps to hold people's attention, and it isn't something that you're just like willy-nilly like you know getting it. Like when you when you put on your headset and you have. You know a spare hour or two here and there like you can really see a lot of what the game has to offer i think within that time period so
1: yeah exactly and we the the one thing we have tried to do is just to keep introducing new things through the whole experience so that you don't end up just with 12 levels of just the same thing you know
0: Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there's
1: always something new around every corner in kiara
0: yeah no it's like i said i yeah super impressed with what i've played so far and i can't wait to play more so um yeah if uh like a you know we'll be releasing this close to your release uh again it's coming out september 13th uh next week on steam uh you know for for those we out there also,
1: just sorry to cut you off but we should no, also be we should also be good on oculus on that down
0: yeah down, okay well
1: but yeah i i mean well, <laughs> sorry, this is everything vibe yeah 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 but, uh, yeah yeah i i we we're definitely on Steam, and okay. that's uh, that's a great place to play. Chiara. No, but
0: also an Oculus, and then do you guys have any plans on releasing for the for PlayStation VR or, you do uh, We
1: we will do it, and we've seen. We you mentioned Moss earlier. Yeah, like, Moss is an amazing game. Yeah, uh, we we love it at the studio, and I I think people that like that game will will love Kiaro. It's it's quite different, but mm. I think that, yeah. I think that if if you like one, you would probably kind of feel connected to the other, mm-hmm. and uh, if those guys, if that team, it's an amazing team, but it does seem like it's possible to do it on PSVR, and so we're gonna we're gonna make sure that that happens. That's awesome. Yeah. That that said, I think we'll probably, yeah, after shipping, kind of stay stay pretty close to Kiara. And then spend a week sleeping and then back <laughs> with
0: the SDR. <PSVR. laughs> that that is makes it, a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely do it, and I, I think we've 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 got we've got everything set up to do it. Like we've we've started doing it. We've got a PS dev jet, and we've started integrating it. But I, I think probably the end of the year is what we're looking for as a launch to, uh, launch date somewhere okay. around the end of the year.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that'll be excited to hear that. So um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, as far as, like, people, you know, following up with, with what you guys are, are doing on that front and, like, anything else that you guys uh, might be working on after Kiaro, during the launch, et cetera, like, what's the best way that people can, can keep up with you guys and then also, uh, you know, provide you guys with feedback on the game?
1: Well, so the best place to provide feedback, especially positive feedback <laughs> on the and and if you are a fan of Chiaro, like after the thirteenth, uh telling us about it on Steam, uh, even even little things that we could fix uh, post launch, uh, you you should let us know. Uh, it would be we would love to hear if you were if you felt if you had a great experience playing the game, because we really would like to keep doing pretty much what we've been doing, which is, like I said, the the ambitious VR titles, yeah. Uh, Yes, I, I would say Steam is probably the best place to let us know about the game. In terms of following us on social media, we're, we're everywhere as MartovCo. So that's like Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Uh, we're actually running a promotion right now at Martov.com slash PlayKiara. Martov.com slash PlayKiara, where you can enter a contest to win a copy of Kiara. And that'll actually uh, help you stay in touch with what we're up to as well okay Uh, in that contest
0: and and how it's it's kind of a double whammy
1: there you get to find out what we're up to and you could also win
0: okay and how long will that will that uh contest be going do you know we'll be
1: going all the way up to our release okay and so we we might we might give one away on the day
0: too okay cool 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 so depending (laughs) on when this goes up so this this may or may not be relevant by the time you guys are hearing this but we'll 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 have to we'll have to figure that out and maybe we can twist their arm into giving out an extra code or something. Oh yeah, that's, uh, <laughs>
1: actually, uh, if it doesn't get up in time, I'll uh, you know what I'll put up a page just to give away a couple of keys for listeners or something.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Martin. It was a pleasure. And like I said, like I you know coming into this discussion, I didn't know you know ex- you know how new you guys were at this or what. Like all I can say is like I I played Kiaro and it was. It, I mean, goes up there toe to toe with some of the best VR experiences that I've I've had since I've owned my Vive so far, and I think people out there should really, really, really uh, be interested and in, in, in look if, if you're into story-driven uh, games, if you like exploration and being in like a a, a very uh, immersive and detailed world, I think Chiaro is something that everybody should should be looking out for next week.
1: Yeah, I will mention there, Ronnie. By the way, if you if you get further
0: in the game, we do ramp up the gameplay there. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear how you do with some of the trials
0: later. Oh God, <laughs> trials. Okay. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't gotten to that wow. yet, so I'll have to give my my updated impressions once I uh, <laughs> once I get a little bit further. So so far, yeah, well, so far I, things have been pleasant. So. I... <laughs>
1: yeah, you might still be in
0: Kakira Village though. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That that okay. is kind of how I feel actually. No, no. <laughs> but no, I okay. Yeah. okay, well
1: it was great talking to
0: you and uh and we'll be in touch. All right, perfect. Have a good one.